friends, I'm Katie Brinkley, and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. This podcast is all about helping Colorado-based small business owners, entrepreneurs, realtors, and professionals discover the strategies and systems that take their marketing to all new heights. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to Rocky Mountain Marketing. Today, I'm joined by Jenny Wright. Jenny is an online marketing strategist, list builder, and lead generation expert. She's also the creator of List Building 2.0, her own successful system of building your list through attraction and permission marketing. Leveraging over 15 years of marketing, communications, and branding experience for her clients, Jenny firmly believes that if you live your life with passion and transparency, you will create lifelong success. Jenny, This has been a podcast long in the making. I am so glad to have you on the show today. She's also the the co-host of the System to Thrive podcast, which I had the honor of being a guest on previously. So Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. It has been a long time in the making for sure. Months and months and months. It really has been. And I had the opportunity to be on guest speaker on Jenny's Summit. She and I have had the opportunity to do business together. This, like I said, it's really exciting for me to have her on the show today. And, you know, I want my guests to get to know you a little bit more because I've had the opportunity to have some fantastic conversations with you and get to know you better. But let's introduce our, our my audience a little bit to you a little bit more. So tell us a little bit about yourself. We're crossing borders here to bring you on the show today. So yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's learn a little bit about your life growing up and a little bit more about you. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm in Toronto, Canada, and uh, I happen to be a bilingual Canadian. So uh, je peux parler français, uh, so I can do that too. And I'm the youngest of four kids. So I had to work really hard to get attention, which means I was precocious, loud, and I didn't stop talking. And although that has served me well in some ways in my adult life. It sure as heck made me an unpopular kid in the family when I was growing up. But um, you know, all my brothers and sisters, my brother and my brothers and sister are much older than me. So it was a it was an interesting thing. I was a natural salesperson right from the get-go. I did fundraising and all sorts of stuff during school. When I was in grade five and I knew I was going to graduate from my public school in grade six. They didn't have a yearbook. And me and this other girl, uh, Doris Tam, we decided that we needed a yearbook. And pretty much just the two of us, a couple other kids in the class too, we did our own fundraising and then we're able to make our own yearbooks. So that was like my first real fundraising and then doing something with it. So that was like grade five. Kind of followed in that trend growing up in Canada, just um, doing really cool jobs and working for some big, uh, big box retail- retailer for 14 and a half years and then going into gold mining. And, uh, and then when that didn't work out, I started this business about nine years ago. So in uh, about 2012, I started working in this business. And here we are now about, um, yeah, it's been quite the ride, actually. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it, I didn't, that when you were saying that you spoke French, didn't know that. And I didn't <laughs> know that you were the youngest of four. So I feel if, you know, like I get to know you just a little bit better here. One of the things too about being a, a Canadian is you are just so nice. I think that that is just like in the Canadian blood, uh, despite all the hockey players fighting. I think that you, you Canadians are so nice. You're one of the <laughs> nicest people I've gotten to know on this earth. So I'm really excited to have you here. You took us through your career journey pretty quickly there. Can you take us a little bit deeper in there? Tell us where you started out and what kind of stops along the way you made that ended up with you being your own boss and helping people build their empires. Sure. 
So I was born into a family of uh, hardworking blue collar. My dad was a mechanic. And when I was born, probably about 10, not even 10 years, probably about five or six years before that, my dad had been able to open up his own mechanic shop. So we had his own shop with four bays and we also had a gas station attached to it and that had 12 pumps. So I grew up in the family business. I grew up working on cars and cleaning tools and restocking air filters and learning about exhaust systems. I also worked in the gas station as soon, you know, as soon as and uh, was working there. I used to all my summers I used to cut grass and pull weeds and paint curbs and plant flowers and everything at the business. Everything revolved around the station. And when I started to go to university, the station was going to close. My parents were getting out of it. I needed a job. So while I was in university, I heard about this, uh, this big box retailer that was trying to open a location literally down the street from my parents' station. And uh, they were taking applications and everything. And so I went and put my application in and they called me in for an interview. And they stated right on the interview that you'd be required to work Sundays. And in my family, that was a taboo. Sundays were a family day. It was the day that you spent with your family and you went for drives and did silly stuff. But uh, they offered you an extra $2 an hour to work Sundays. So I was able to convince my parents to let me work Sundays because I was still a teenager at the time with this extra $2 an hour promise. And they were all for it, which was great. Started working there. Uh, It helped put me through university. So I was going to school 30 hours a week and I was working 30 hours a week to pay for university, which is a hard task, but I made it work. And uh, when I graduated, even though I had my degree, I didn't leave. I stayed with this big box retailer because I was making, by then I had already topped out at their top pay. They were giving me raises. They were giving me bonuses. And um, it was one of the highest paid jobs in in big box uh, retail that you can get. So I just stayed there for 14 and a half years, worked every job that was there managed to get promoted to supervisor level. And then I went around to different warehouses and trained people, which was great. But I sort of hit a wall with them and uh, decided to go out and do something else. And I got, um, I left that job in August. And by four weeks later, I had already had my new job, which was in gold mining. That was an investor relations and communications role. It was bilingual. So I was using my degree. This was like the job. I'm a big girl now kind of thing. It was a grown-up job with a office and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of felt like I'd actually used my education at this point, which was great. I was learning new skills. I was writing press releases and that was a lot of fun. Going to conferences and getting to wear dress up clothes <laughs> versus wearing, you know, working in a big box retailer, wearing steel toe boots and, and jeans for 14 and a half years. And I moved to a, diff- a couple different gold mining companies, which is quite normal when you're doing that. However, one of the gold mining companies I joined was a startup. And if anybody knows startup culture, they start up, they get a ton of seed money, they start things going, and then those companies can quickly close or they can get bought out or you know something can happen and things like that. And, and for me, I was it just didn't work out for me to work there any longer. So while I was looking for a new job and I was looking far and wide, uh, this was in 20, early 2012, one of my girlfriends, I went to this job interview and I, I got on the phone with one of my girlfriends afterwards and I said, just finished this job interview. They offered me the job, but they want me to go to Syracuse, New York for training. I got to leave next week. I really don't want to do this. And she said, well, you know, and she was a real estate agent. She goes, well, why don't you come work for me? You can work as a virtual assistant. You can get my mailings done. You can do this. You can do that. And by the way, there's like 50 realtors in this office that all need this help. You could help them too. So that was my first, I ended up not taking the job for Syracuse and started doing this with my, my best, you know, my girlfriend at the time. And 
she was awesome. I started working for her. I started building websites for other real estate agents. It was working out really, really well. And then I just started uh, getting online. So that was very face-to-face. And I started getting online by using the app Fiverr. If anybody knows what Fiverr is, it's an app where you pay, like you get five bucks a gig. The website takes a whole chunk of that and you're left with like $3.48 kind of thing. But I started there and I started getting gigs. And then I met somebody who was doing online summits and she needed me to research the experts for her. And I had this light bulb, Katie, I swear to God, I had this light bulb moment. It was like, this is going to be big. These summits, these online summits are going to be crazy. And I tried to learn as much as I possibly could. She actually gave me access to these like course materials that she was taking. So I kind of got like free access to this course material. And I was like, ooh, this is good. Then I joined one of these coaching programs that was about it and everything. And then it took off from there because I was in the coaching program with everybody else. And it was a group coaching program with like 180 people. But all of the 180 people needed tech support for their summits. And I kind of knew the tech at that point. So then I worked with like 30 of them all at once. (laughs) And that was crazy. And then accelerate yourself nine years later and here I am. Wow. And you know, you and I were talking a little bit before about just starting our businesses. And I feel like you and I kind of both backpedaled our way into entrepreneurship. I mean, I was laid off from my dream job. I had worked so hard to get there. I thought that I would be there forever. And then my company merged with another big company and my position was eliminated. And I think that I never would have ventured into the world of entrepreneurship if I, honestly, the, the boss that I had at my last job is the one who encouraged me. And she said, you know, Katie, you are so good at social media. You're so good at it. I just, I would love to see this be your main job that, and maybe if you could like get back onto the radio, cause that's where I started was in radio. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, why, why can't that be my, my main job? And so I started, you know, on Upwork, just, you know, helping different businesses with their social media. And before I knew it, I was like, man, I'm making more money and I'm working less hours than I was at my other job. Like, this is my new dream job. I can work from home and be at home with the girls. It is amazing because I think that there's that does happen to a lot of entrepreneurs. Is you you have a job, you think it's going to be what you do for the rest of your life, and then something happens, and that's when you decide to take take your destiny into your own hands. So I love your story, Jenny, and I think that one of the things too that that we were talking about before I hit record here was just prioritizing ourselves as businesses. And, you know, Hmm. like I said, I've had the opportunity to work with you and, and see your genius in action. And, you know, I said, Jenny, how do you, how do you find the time for your business when you're doing, you know, what you do for, for all of your clients? And I loved your answer because I think that it's something that a lot of business owners, especially business owners and entrepreneurs who are just getting started, fall into the trap too. They do. They really, really do. We were talking, by the way, I love your story. I didn't know that part about you. And that's really cool. One of the things that we were talking about is that we don't prioritize ourselves, right? So you were asking me, how do I do all these summits? How do I have a podcast? How do I work on my own stuff? How do I do an online summit? You know, Because we're talking about doing another online summit together with you as a guest in the fall. And I'm like, well, you know, I have to learn how to prioritize myself because what I was doing is I was putting everybody else first. And then if I had like 15 minutes left in my day, that's when I would work on my business, but that's not enough. And I even was cultivating clients who unbeknownst to me, but I was, it was my fault because I was cultivating them into my space. I was feeling like I was being treated like Cinderella. I actually called myself Jennyrella because 
when I went to work on something of my own and they would see it on social media, they were like, well, where's my stuff? My stuff comes first. And that was really like disheartening for me. It actually really upset me and made me hate what I was doing, to be quite honest. And it stopped me from moving a lot of my stuff forward. So as a result, I now completely make time for my business. It's scheduled into my calendar because if I don't, it doesn't get done because I will work on everybody else's stuff. And then it's 10 o'clock at night and there's no time for me. So I have to make it a priority. If not, my own business will not grow. And I did that for years, Katie. My own email list was like 350 people for four or five years. And I was teaching people about list building. Like it was insane. Just like, Girl, I hear you. I hear right? you. I didn't have, I didn't have my own social media account until 2020 because I was so busy building other people's social media accounts and building their empires. I was like, I just don't have time for mine. Yep, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, the, and then what's the result, right? People look at you and they go, okay, so I'd love to have Katie do my social media. And then they would go look at your social media and you're like, um, where's your followers? How are you leading by example? And that became exactly. a thing. Yeah. Exactly. So I definitely, yeah. So I definitely made a concerted effort starting, I think it was mid well, early 2019. I was like, no more of this Cinderella crap. I'm scheduling myself in, I'm doing this stuff. I'm making myself a priority. And I will, you know, I'll talk to my clients because I do summits for my clients and I do funnels and I do the stuff for myself as well. But I'm going to be very clear that, you know, the stuff that I do is not the stuff that I do has to happen for myself, for my own business. And it's not, it's a non-negotiable. And once I kind of developed that, this is a non-negotiable and this is how it's going to go. My mindset changed and the clients changed too. So it actually worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's true because I think that once you start prioritizing your business and really start being selective of who you work with, it really does change your business overall. Like, because you're known as the expert in that industry and you can speak just to, yeah, I, I do list building. I, mm-hmm. I can build you a website. Sure. I can write you a blog. I can, you know, write emails, but that's not what I, my specialty is. So you actually transitioned me perfectly into the next topic I wanted, wanted to discuss with you, Jenny, which is all about email. So. I love me some social media. I think social media is essential for businesses. It's your social proof that you are the real deal. But in all reality, we really need to have an email list. And Mm -hmm. it's extremely important because while I might have, you know, all those followers on Instagram or on Clubhouse or on Facebook, those really aren't mine. And the second that maybe Facebook shuts down or if I get kicked off of Facebook for some weird reason... I've lost all those people. They have no way to get in touch with me and I have no way to get in touch with them. That's Mm -hmm. why having an email list is essential. So I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about why you need to make sure that you have an email list and just a little bit more about we're not owning our social media followers. Well, you said it perfectly, Katie, that we don't own it. And if Facebook disappears tomorrow, and we've heard people say this before, that we're going to be screwed, right? And we've gone through a couple of Facebook outages. We went through an IG outage recently. And if those happen, and let's just say instead of going down for a couple of hours, it was a couple of days or worse, a couple of weeks or worse, a month or two. Like if that actually could happen and you know, it's, there's potential these things could take place, how are you going to continue to sustain your business? How are you going to continue to make money? Well, if you have an email list with your email addresses of your ideal potential client, in them, 
then yeah, you do technically own that list. You own the ability to connect with that list because those people have opted in and given you permission to connect with them. So you can send an email, even though Facebook or whatever would be down, you can send an email and say, hey, look, I'm going to be hosting a special workshop. It's happening a week from today. Go check it out. It's only $97 in this 90-minute workshop. I'm going to share ABC and XYZ so that you can make more money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, guys, I'm actually paraphrasing like Katie's workshop right now. And because <laughs> I know it. And you know, that's like the best thing that you can do. You can you can invite people to a sales conversation from your email. You can get people to close into your $3,000 coaching package or your $6,000 coaching package. You can sell your widgets. You can do all these things that is a heck of a lot easier. And I'm going to I'm going to go a little like a step deeper with this. We're bombarded on social media. I mean, I just opened up my IG. If I watch a couple of reels, I mean, I go down the dark, dark hole of reels <laughs> and I'm on there for an hour and I'm like, whoa, I can't, you know, I, I, I sat down for five minutes and it's an hour later and I've watched like 50, you know, 50 reels. So we're bombarded, we're bombarded. With email marketing, email marketing is not going anywhere, right? We've had email marketing in our space. I mean, geez, since the nineties, you know, 90, mid nineties or something, we were all starting to get email and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. And people still prioritize opening their email versus reading or looking at social media at some given point. And if the stop the scroll thing is the problem and we're seeing so much, email is the thing that we can catch, right? So it's easier for us to get people's attention in their email if we do email marketing properly with good subject lines, good content, and a good call to action. So this isn't going anywhere. And again, you know, if you break Facebook's terms of service and your account is closed and you can't do Facebook ads and you can't do whatever you want to do and you can't post, you still have your email list and you can still make that cash. It's so true. And I think that a lot of people, one of the biggest hurdles that I hear about people with, with emails are like, well, wait, I just got started with, so I have my website. Now you, you're, I'm paying you to do social media for me, Katie. Now you're saying I need to do an email list too. Really? So what would you say to those people that might still kind of be like, this is just another thing I need to do. Is it really that important? Yes, 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 yes. Get the tattoo. It says yes all the time (laughs) and you can make it work. Okay. So if you want something really bad, let's just say you love Lululemon clothing. Okay. I'm speaking from experience. Lululemon is not cheap but it lasts a really long time and you get a lot of wear out of it, right? So my one of my Lululemon hoodies, I think I've had it for six or seven years. It's literally just starting to show its wear. It's made out of amazing material and probably cost about like $115 when I bought it, totally worth every penny. If I want it, I'll find the money and the time to go and get it done. When it comes to building your email list, if you want it, you're gonna find the time and the effort and the inclination and everything else to get it done. So it's about a mind, it's a mindset shift. If you want to make oodles of money online, but you don't want to do the work to make that happen, you're in the wrong business. Go back to a day job, please. Shift your mindset to the fact that it's a very rare breed that can stay in an online business as long as we have and continue to grow it. If you want to stay here for the long haul, if you want to actually make money at this, for a continued period of time, you want to support your family, put some money aside for retirement, pay down those bills, whatever it is, there are certain things you are going to have to do. And in Jenny's world, what do we call these? Non-negotiables. We have to build an email list. So reframe your mindset and accept, right? Like that, you know, that whole thing, pick your heart, 
this is one of the hards you got to pick. Like you have to do this. Now, doesn't mean you have to learn all the things and you got to be a copywriter and a graphic designer and do this and do this. No, there's wonderful people out there who can support you, right? Katie's one of the best people out there for supporting you with your social media, but she's also no slouch when it comes to understanding how important it is to build your list. And she can advise you on certain things to, to make that happen. Having somebody like myself in your corner, which is a strategist, somebody who list builds and does lead generation can be like, okay, your business is about you sell recipes. Let's just say your favorite recipe is your naked chicken chalupa. Okay. Don't ask me how I know that. That's your favorite recipe. <laughs> and you help people make really crazy recipes more healthy, right? Because you know chalupas aren't necessarily the most healthy thing. How can you make this a more healthy thing? So that's your thing. And you're going to have to reframe it and go, okay, you know what, if I want to get this recipe or this whole system of creating healthy food out in the world, then I'm going to have to put on a couple hats and figure this out. Again, you don't have to be the copywriter. You don't have to be the graphic designer. You don't have to be the website builder. There are people who can help you do that, find them and get them to support you because that makes more sense than you spending 15 hours of your time versus somebody spending three hours of their time to figure it out for you. But it is incredibly important. It's as important. It's, it's one of the biggest assets. This is what my partner always says. Your email list is the biggest asset in your business. So start working on it now. Okay, Jenny, you've convinced me to build my list, but what type of list works best? I know that one list isn't right for everybody. How do you even find what type of list to build? How can you help me build my list? I think you mean what type of list build event. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So not all list build events are created equal and there are differing difficulties and also results. So you need to understand what it is that you want to get off the back end. If you want to create what I call a list injection, which is as many people as possible who are an ideal client that fit your niche into your email marketing as soon as possible, then you're going to look at doing something like a summit. A summit is an online event where you interview 20 to 25 experts uh, they're pre-interviewed, it's all done in advance, and you release it at a date in the not-so-distant future. Those experts promote to their followings and letting you know that they're appearing as a guest on this, ex on this summit, and their followings check out th the event, and then they register. So in result, the host grows their email list. That is the ultimate, okay? That is the, you know, the chef's kiss of list building. If we go down a notch... We're looking at doing online challenges. Online challenges are a five-day challenge. They create a lot of interaction. They're great for selling courses and one-on-one -on -one coaching off the back end. They have the ability to make some VIP income. You can usually get an online challenge up and running in about a couple of weeks. It needs about three weeks of promo and it's probably going to last about five days. And if I backtrack for a second, the online summit is something you're going to probably plan for four or five months. It's going to need a month of promotional time and it's going to last about three to five days, right? So we've got a summit, we've got a challenge. Next step down from that are webinars or workshops or online classes, however you want to term them. Those are still very high interaction, but you can get one of those up and running in a very quick turnaround. You can go from idea to creation to promo literally within about a week and a half. You promo them for about 10 days, and then your webinar lasts anywhere between 30 to 90 minutes, depending on what it is that you're doing. You can do a free one, or you can do a paid one and call it a workshop. Those will still build your list, but it's going to grow a little bit of a smaller list. Okay, So as I'm working through this, you're going to reduce the amount of the list build that you'll create, but you're also reducing your workload. 
Okay. So we have to, we have to understand less work means less list, more work, bigger list. Okay. So figure out what you want, pick your heart kind of thing. Below that are PDFs, downloads, white papers, checklists, eBooks. Those are one-way communication. Those are the, the bits that would go enter your name and email in the box on my page. And I'll send you my PDF download. Let's be honest, people look at them for about 30 seconds, they end up on somebody's desktop, they usually get forgotten about, and they don't create a two-way conversation. So even though they're very passive and it's very easy, you could create PDF download in a weekend, or you, you know, if you're good at Canva, you can get it done in an hour or two and get it out there ASAP. The result reflects the work put in, right? So I always suggest that people have them in their arsenal of list building, but I also recommend that you must have these other things that are higher conversion, higher interaction, bigger list build. So if I had my way and I could mold Katie's business exactly how I want, then Katie would be doing a webinar every other month, maybe, right? Workshops, <laughs> <laughs> you know, she'd have her PDF download. She's got a great one, by the way. It's a Clubhouse one. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, it's a fantastic way to learn about Clubhouse and it's probably available in the, the links everywhere that you can find Katie. So I've seen the back end of that one. It's really good. So, you know, you have your, you have your PDF download, you have your consistent webinars, which builds your list and create interaction and helps you sell. And then once a year, twice a year, if you're really kind of crazy like I am, but at least once a year, you do one of these bigger list builds, right? You do the challenges, you do the summits, and you create that list injection, which sets you up for the rest of the year. It makes it a heck of a lot easier to sell to more people. So if you want a group coaching course, you're going to have to probably do a summit. You know, if you want to add 15 clients to your roster, do a summit. If you're only looking for five or six clients or a couple people to join your membership, look at a challenge, but you're gonna have to do consistent challenges. So hopefully this kind of paints the picture a little bit. Oh, Jenny. Yes. I, I love seeing, or I guess hearing your mind work. It is, it sounds like it's so much, but I think this, these are the steps that you need to take. If you really want to go from having a something that you, you know, like a kind of a startup to actually being mm-hmm. a legit, bit, legit business. And mm-hmm. it's taking those leaps of, all right, let's dive in. Let's see where this goes. And I think that um, it can seem intimidating and overwhelming, but at the same time, like these are the steps you need to take if you want to transform your business. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're 100 percent right. It's the steps that will. You know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Change your mindset. This stuff is. It's you know what it is. It's not hard. It's just hard work. It's simple stuff. I mean, it's literally step by step. I can paint it like paint by numbers for you but it takes time. It takes, you know, a little bit of forethought. It takes planning. Anybody can do this stuff, Katie. Anybody can do it. They just need to plan it out. You know, talk to a strategist, talk to somebody like myself, look at hiring somebody like Katie to to help make it easier for you in terms of the social media and all the stuff that Katie does that she doesn't talk about, but she's really good at. And I know she is, (laughs) right? So just create a plan. And if you don't have a plan and you feel stuck, then take the next step to get somebody to help you with it. You know, Jenny, you've talked about mindset a couple times during today's show, and I think it's really important for business owners to have the right mindset. It's something that full transparency I deal with still. And I think it's having that mindset of, of, of believing in yourself and believing in your business and trying to put on the blinders and not think about the imposter syndrome. You've talked about the mindset of, you know, 
stepping away and not trying to think of yourself as that Cinderella story uh, with your, you know, doing your own business stuff. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to really kind of shift your mindset for your business? It is a every freaking day, starting from the moment I get up thing. So I, with transparency, I have struggled with depression. I've struggled with you know, the mindset issues that a lot of people do. I've struggled with the imposter syndrome stuff that people talk about. And it's hard doing what we do. It's hard being an online entrepreneur because we do get a lot of the no, we do get a lot of the pushback and we do get a lot of the, this is just, you know, difficult to do. If everybody could do it, they would. The mindset piece that I have to work on continuously, and, and Katie, you can read, is I have to I have to do my suck it up buttercup stuff, which I'll talk about in a second, my non-negotiables. And then I give myself a hall pass. So those are my three things, suck it up buttercup, non-negotiables and hall passes. My suck it up buttercup is I do not want to work today. I am not into adulting today. Where's the sandbox? Where's my shovel? That's all I want to play with today. Everything else can bugger off kind of thing. And I have those days. I think everybody does. And the suck it up buttercup is this needs to get done today. People are counting on me. I have to do it. Just go do it. And here's your reward. Like I kind of reward myself at the end. I'm like, okay, if you go do this, then, you know, you get to make a nice big bowl of popcorn and watch one of the Star Wars movies as an example. Right. So you kind of like, <laughs> excite, you know, you kind of like um, bribe yourself. So that's my little suck it up buttercup. My non-negotiables are non-negotiables. It's like you getting up in the morning and teaching your kids that they need to brush their teeth every single day and make their beds and they have breakfast. Those are non-negotiables, right? Those are the things we teach our kids. In our businesses, our non-negotiables are showing up for our clients, getting, you know, posting on social media or being consistent with our social media, being consistent with our email marketing, doing those things, right? We still have to do those things. Those are the non-negotiables. Those go into our calendar. They're like cement. They don't go anywhere. And then there's the hall passes. The hall passes are when you're feeling that like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't today. I can't do the adult thing. I don't have a ton of the non-negotiables. And I was a really good girl yesterday with the suck it up buttercup stuff, you know, stuff. Today is a watch a marathon of Gilmore Girls and drink my herbal tea. And I'm going to give myself two hours to do that. And then I'm going to get out of my, you know, my little mindset piece here and I'm going to get back into it. Right. So I give myself a little bit of hall pass and I do that quite honestly, it happens once every two weeks, you know, just so I can, I can just like give in a little bit. Sometimes you just got to give into it and just go, okay, you know what? Today's not the day. It ain't happening. And kind of hopefully, you know, regroup, give yourself a little bit of hall pass, give yourself some space to, to think things through, to get it comfy, to do things, especially if you're an introvert. Like I'm, I'm an ambivert falling on the more introverted side. And if I do something really, really extroverted, I need that time to regroup and regenerate and all that kind of stuff. And my little hall pass has helped me do that. Jenny, I have absolutely loved this conversation. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show. It, the, it went by really fast for me. And it did. I, I loved everything that you had to say, because I think that, like you said, with mindset, the importance of email lists and just get taking the steps like to get your own business off the ground and prioritizing it. You gave us so many great takeaways from today's podcast. If people want to do business with you, if they want to learn more about what you do and this whole list building thing, where is the best place for them to find you? Hmm. Good question. And, you know, there's the usual go to my website, et cetera, but I want to suggest that you email me. I love to connect with people very directly. 
So just email me, jenny at jennywright.com. I'll find it. I'll email you back. We'll set up a time to chat. I like having one-on-one conversations. We can just have a conversation about what it would look like for you and you know what could happen in your business in the near future, what kind of list build you could do, et cetera. You can also do the jennywright.com thing. Uh, you can also go to the systemtothrive.com, which is the podcast. Also come and find me. I have a Facebook group called Grow and Profit Online. So come and check that out as well. And Katie's in there. And um, yeah, pretty much anywhere online, everything is pretty much the same name. It's Jenny Wright. Absolutely love this. And I will include all of those links in the show notes. Jenny, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much, Katie. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website at www.nextstepsocialcommunications.com, connect with me on LinkedIn, or check me out on Instagram. Let's keep taking your marketing to new heights.